Um, so I, uh, I live like 50 miles from the nearest church and I often work on Sundays. Is it okay if I just watch church on TV? No. On this episode of Rural Pastors Talk. Thank you for joining us here on this episode of Rural Pastors Talk. My name is TJ Freeman. And I am the lead pastor at Wellsboro Bible Church in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. So glad to have you along and so glad to have these two awesome pals. Hey guys, I am Pastor Joe Wagner from God's Family Fellowship Church in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. Hey, what's going on guys? This is Joshua McLaren. I'm a pastoral assistant here at Wellsboro Bible Church. And you did something special this morning. I did. You were so rural. I killed a dur. You did. I was there for it. Yes, it was we, a lot of fun. We went to a place called Potter County, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, which literally God's has... God's Country. Yeah, right. I was going to say, yep. literally has a nickname, God's Country. Yep. And I will say, it is tremendously beautiful. Yeah. There was snow out this morning all over the place. Um, and which, it was snowing. It was. Yeah, yeah there was, was really pretty. snow and love in the air. And I was about 150 yards above you, and I heard the shot, mm-hmm. and my heart palpitated with joy. <laughs> I was and then so he texted glad. me, "Get back in your spot." <laughs> yes, because I went looking for for the deer, and I should have just sat still. So we were doing our rural things. A deer church member took us along with him over to Potter County, and we were really happy to go there. So shout out to you, Joe! Thanks for listening, and thanks for taking us hunting. It was a real blast. And then we got the best burgers ever. Yep, called afterward. bacon bacon tig burgers, and they're Ooh. the size of your head. I know and, where you got those at. Insane. Yeah. So, uh, hey, rural guys, remember, you live in some pretty neat places, places that a lot of people would love to go visit. Take advantage of that every now and then and spend some time with other people in your church or even some lost folks doing things in nature. That's what rural living is all about. Joe, did you shoot a deer this morning? I have not shot a deer this morning or in any of the other mornings I was out. Same. Or last year or the year before that or the year before that. Oh, well, I'm not that. Yeah. I'm not that bad of a hunter. (laughs) (laughs) yep well thanks um let's just move on i'll take what pride i have left and talk about something else so here's what we want to bring up on this episode of rural pastors talk um the country is big you know know, what percentage of our country exists a hundred percent a hundred percent exists that's right good job (laughs) all right good now i almost (laughs) out of that 100 percent, what percent geographically is rural any guesses? Uh, seventy-five. Ooh, that would be a. That seems like a big number, doesn't it? Yes. Seventy. If seventy-five percent was it, that'd be a lot. But no, ah, way too small. Darn. Joe, tell us. Ninety-five percent geographically is rural. Ninety-five percent of this country is rural, and how many people live in the ninety-five percent? Twenty percent of them. Twenty percent. It's it's like finding the deer in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly really right. That's why we went hunting this morning, just to have an illustration for the podcast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this presents a very interesting challenge. Um, With such a widespread geographical distance and such a low population density there, um, reaching the rural person with the gospel is difficult. This is why people like Tim Keller have talked about going to the cities where people are. Um, you go there, there's a large population, you can be effective there, you can pool your resources with other guys who are already there, 
you can reach a city. How, how often do we hear that, guys? The books we read, the mm-hmm. conferences we go to, what do they talk about? Cities, reach urban your, areas. Reach yep. your city. Um, we even have another church who's working with us who's a lovely church. We appreciate them very much. But they say to us all the time, how are you going to reach your city? And we're like, we're not, because we don't live in a city. We have no city. We don't live near a city. I was recently talking to a brother about an opportunity uh, to bring some teaching resources to our area, and he said, well, we've got an event coming up in Philadelphia. If you could bring a bunch of guys down, that'll show interest, and we may be able to consider bringing it up to your area. And I just had to explain to him, the people who live in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, don't want to go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They have no interest in going there, or they'd be there. They're not like me, who secretly, not so secretly, love cities, and my heart beats faster when I'm in them. Um, But, you know, most of this countryside is filled with people who moved here for a reason. They like the weather here. They like the pace of life here. They like that they don't have to wait in traffic. And the thought of going to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or D.C. or Boston or Baltimore or any other city just gives them the willies, and they don't want to go. So that creates an interesting dynamic um, for people. So what we're recognizing here is two things. One is that there are people spread out over a huge geographic area, and they don't want what you have to offer, cities. Sorry, we love you, but it's true, right? Am That's I right? right? No, it's we are rugged individualists for the most part out here. We, we love this area. Uh, we love what uh, we have become in this area. We love to make our own way. We love to, our, some self-reliance, and uh, we're pretty proud of that sort of a thing. So why in the world would we want to go to a city? Because we have everything that we need right here. Everything that is, except for, in many cases, good churches. So what's happened in the rural countryside is churches are not um, booming like they once were. You know, there was a season where everything is contained in these small towns. In our region, there were things like coal and lumber that were major industries, 1800s, 1900s, booming like crazy. Uh, in our region in particular, ship masts were the... the um, object of choice. So a lot of the pines here were just perfect for ship masts. So they would come in and just level all of the lumber in the area. And the area was just booming. All these small towns were formed and they were competitive with one another. I mean, they're growing by thousands and they have everything they need there. Um, their own police department, their own fire department, their own general stores, their own hardware stores, uh, grocery stores, and on and on. Today, Things like Amazon, Walmart, uh, Lowe's, they've replaced a lot of the small town things. And people have to travel to shop like that. Um, They have to travel to get the things they need. They're no longer contained in their small communities. And the church has gone the way of many small town businesses. Only going to some big centralized church in the rural countryside, like going to Walmart in the rural countryside, really isn't an option. So... People aren't interested in that. Is that what you guys are seeing? We were just talking about this morning at our Bible study, before we got started with the Bible study, of of all of the different small towns in the area that were actually bigger at one time than Wellsboro, but all mm. had shrunk. Yeah, that's right. And there's just not much there. And people are still loving where they live. They're still enjoying where they live. They're still being content where they live. But there's just not nearly as many people where they live. And a lot of the younger folks have... 
to, to find better and, and better paying jobs and good jobs are moving off to more uh, suburban mm. or urban areas True. as well. So yeah. there is a there is some there is some flight that's going on. But the reality is there's still people here. And you know what? There's always going to be people here. 95% of the country is always going to hold a significant portion of our population. And we're not talking hundreds or thousands. We're talking millions of people. So we have a responsibility as Christians to take the gospel how far? Everywhere. To the ends of the earth. Yes. Everywhere to the ends of the earth. That means the rural countryside. So I'm not knocking somebody like Tim Keller who would say, let's focus on the city. But I am saying that there is some balance needed where there is a focus on going to the rural countryside. And what I would love to see is that in seminaries, there are actually programs directed at intentionally sending people out to the rural countryside to be pastors and not acting like that's a lesser thing or that's a stepping stone or you know that's a place that you can go for a while and, and then move on which is the same as a stepping stone. But it's to say, we want to send pastors who are called to the rural countryside and who are going to labor there for life, even if no one ever knows their name, even if no one but their little congregation hears of their ministry, hears their sermons, listens to their podcasts, reads their blog, whatever, um, if they're just there at their own little country church shepherding faithfully a group of people who love the Lord, obey Him, and are reaching their community for the gospel. That is a win. TJ recently read an article by Stephen Whitmer uh, from the Gospel Coalition, and it's entitled, Small Town Pastor Preach Bespoke Sermons. And really what he emphasized in the in the article is the fact that we as as ministry leaders and pastors in the rural church, we're not like the John Piper. We're not like the Mark Dever where people will be YouTubing our names to hear our sermons. No, but I was really proud of my impression of uh, Matt, Matt Chandler, Chandler last week. week. <laughs> How is everyone doing? No. How are we? <laughs> Sorry. Please open your Bible. No. What do you mean? He says that, doesn't he? No. Do you have your Bible? If you have your Bibles, <laughs> go ahead and grab them. <laughs> Like that. <clears throat> that but, makes me long for to listen to a Matt Chandler sermon. I haven't listened to one of those probably yeah. in a year. Yeah. So go ahead, Josh, but, as you were. No, the article is describing that, you know, just because we are going to preach a sermon and other than our congregation, no one's ever going to hear it again, doesn't mean we shouldn't still strive for excellence in expositing the Word of God and That's right. then preaching the truth to our people. And that leads us to a couple solutions here. Now, here's the reality is... For our listeners, we actually could use your help on this because we're trying to do what I often call cracking the rural nut. I'm trying to figure out how do we reach people in that community of 200 where there's, you know, you go for an hour in any direction, you're not going to hit any other significant towns. What happens to those folks? What happens to the people in um, halfway between Wellsboro and um, uh, Westfield, Pennsylvania? where, you know, you're talking, what, 45 miles, something like this, and there are a lot of people, probably thousands of people living in that middle land. What happens for those folks? Now, there's a church there that's closed and now sold right in the middle of it that couldn't survive. Actually, there are a couple of them. There's another church that's been turned into a house out that direction. Mm. So what what is it that we can do to have thriving congregations in the middle of nowhere where there are still people? So we're asking the listeners, would you help us some? But we do have a couple thoughts. One of them has to do with expectations. So 
if you're if you're expecting out of a church Hillsong worship, first of all, <coughs> um, <laughs> and second of all, um, you know if you're if you're watching YouTube and you're getting all of this uh, high level paid musicians, paid singers kind of thing in your mind, and you're thinking that's church. Congregations of tens of thousands. Yeah, that. Um, if you're thinking you're going to have the preacher who's on, you know, the cover of Christianity Today and written articles for all these different things, and um, he's just God's gift to preaching in the United States, and you're, you're going to have him in the rural countryside, these things are never going to happen, you know. That's not what we should be longing for anyway. You're not looking for the silver-tongued wonder. You're not looking for some over-processed, programmatic worship set that is more like you going to watch something than to participate in something. All of these expectations that we've developed about what church should be and look like because of what the evangelical world has told us today a church should be, that's just going to hurt us. And that's where guys can come out into the rural world and make a mess. They come out into this country church with all these ideas, and you get frustrated because what I expect a church to be is never going to happen here, and then you move on. Our church is, GFF, is actually a result of a church that has split for that exact reason. Mm. Somebody from a larger city uh, instructed the pastor to make the little church in Wellsboro town looked just like that church in that big city. Yeah. And years and years and years ago, that happened, and the church that I serve in now is a result of that church splitting. Mm. So there's an example even of church planting, with which is objectively a good thing. But if a church is planting from a big place to a small place, they may not understand that geography very well. Um, same with, that's why I think seminary training guys for this is so important. Because the Lord could call somebody from a city to go be rural, and if they are going to go in with their understanding of what happens in a city and try to apply that in the rural context, it's not going to go well. But if, they're, if they have some training and some experience in that setting, they could be such a blessing. So one of the things, I immediately kind of think, are we going to be redneck attractional? You know what I'm trying to say right here on this Welcome one? y'all to Country Church. So glad you got <laughs> Get your boots off, hang your coat up. Now, Here's well, a place to hang your hat. Everybody's going to hate us now <laughs> if we were to, to do that. But there is, yes. there, um, I don't know, do we intentionally be You got your folksy? stringing instruments? <laughs> Get them on out. We had, uh, I was talking with a pastor who had a, uh, a roundup. And that was his way of framing in a once-a-year event where everybody were to come in. Now, we are about as far away from the West as possible, but... We were the West it, once. At one time, we were the pioneers. That's right. But, uh, he called it a roundup. So what was what they called it there, you might not call that same function the same thing. What would you call it here? I, I don't know. There men, are Men get dances. together and they go shoot guns and eat meat. Oh, we call that a blast. A men's dinner. Oh, the burping, grunting event. Yes. Yes. I, Got it. <laughs> Um, anyway, I digress. So what I, all I really wanted to say with that is, you know what you need in your church? You need a faithful brother who's called by the Lord to preach and who preaches really faithful sermons. You shouldn't be looking for somebody who's going to entertain you, and you shouldn't be trying to be someone who entertains. You shouldn't be looking for somebody who's going to, um, you know, have these beautiful flowery addresses. You just want a faithful minister of the gospel who preaches to you the word and be thankful for that. That is really what you need. Um, you need somebody who 
administers uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper out of his love for the Lord and love for the body of Christ. Uh, you need to sing with the people around you, whether it's a cappella with one guitar, with a guitar and a piano, or with a full band. Who cares? The point is we encourage one another with our songs and hymns and spiritual songs. So faithful preaching of the Word, singing together, having the sacraments together, um, being the body of Christ, it's just tremendous. In fact, I think there's some benefits in smaller churches, um, like your church is the small group. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You, you, When you can actually know people in depth and spend time with them, and as a pastor, you can uh, backster them, you know, actually go visit the entire congregation in a year and ask them how their soul is. There's some real advantages to that. So I think the the first thing we really need to think about is our expectations, both of the pastor going into the rural countryside and of the rural community for what a church should look like. The other thing that we have to remember is, uh, is the Word of God does go out in power. And... Um, it, it takes some hard work for us, and I think that it takes some bravery with the same sort of bravery that it takes in an urban or a suburban urban area. It takes to go out in a rural sort of an area. Do you trust the Word of God to be powerful and to save? Do you trust the gospel to be to save? Do you trust that God is sovereign and that he has people in this city, in this town, who are to be saved, and there are his children? Do you trust that you have been called to this area? And so you don't trust in uh, having a thousand people come. You don't trust in all of those sorts of things. It, it is being brave and courageous to, even if it comes down to it, to knock on doors, to, to speak the gospel to somebody who's pushing a shopping cart uh, in the little big M or something like that, to, to just I think that it will simplify things a lot if you just have courage and bravery to go out and be able to share the gospel with people and the boldness that God has given to you, whether they're an oil rig worker or whether they're a farmer, whether they're uh, rough and tough and hard to bluff or, or whether well, whoever they are. Thank you for that. What is that called? Uh, uh, cliche? No, it's not a cliche. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for saying that. So another thing to consider, and this is going to be a topic for our next episode, is partnering with other churches and then owning a geography for the gospel. So if this piques your interest, two things that you should do to help us. One would be to write in with thoughts and ideas, questions on this topic. The second would be to come back next week and listen and start thinking through in your church How can your church take ownership for a particular part of that 95% of our country, drawing a circle or whatever shape around your geography saying, we're going to own the lostness of this region? That opens the door for some really helpful conversations about how we can actually make a difference reaching these millions of people that live in the rural countryside for Christ. So come back with that. But for now, Josh, you love us, don't you? I do. And I know what you love today. What we love? kept this episode short. Yes. Just for your own glory. Thank, uh, no, please. <laughs> take it away. I don't want it. Yeah. So for the good of Josh and the glory of God, a- Amen. this is a shorter episode. Hey, if you don't like this being shorter, would you please write in and tell Josh he's wrong? And Joe and I will just love you and we'll go longer and longer. But now let's turn our attention to our top two. My top twos, I was tempted to do a different one because I've been brewing my coffee differently, but I'll talk about that later. 
Today, I'm talking about the fedora. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> so, men's hats. Why did we stop wearing them? Now, Josh wears beanies. I do. And flat brims. Rural I, I do. and not rural, in that order. <laughs> and uh, a lot of men wear a baseball cap. Joe, do you like to wear the baseball cap? Uh, that's the only... My wife informed me the other day that that is the only hat that I look good in at all. Oh. <laughs> well, you haven't tried my fedora. Uh, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> she would say, no, you don't look good in that at all. Nice. So... Uh, you know, I don't she know. She says I have a bucket head. I don't know why <laughs> men stopped wearing nice hats. And if you look back at pictures from the early 1900s or something, every man has a hat on, and ladies too, as a matter of fact. So, you know, I just think it's time to bring back the men's hat. Do I think, in my little rural context, I'm going to bring it back? No, but I brought it back for me, and I have been wearing this fedora that. Some friends gave me. So this um, friend, Christine Moore, she is a milliner out of New York City, and she did a hat show in the region, and I was privileged to photograph it. And out of um, her kindness, she gave me a fedora. And I've been wearing it on these cold winter days, and I really like it. And my wife thinks I look good in it, so even better. Sorry, Joe. You wear your ball cap. I'll wear my fedora. Um, but uh, if you've never sported a a real men's hat before give it a shot beanie and flat brim doesn't count spiritual top (laughs) beanie keeps my head warm man (laughs) yes it does keep your head warm and small i have a tiny head (laughs) (laughs) my spiritual top two is a book by jay adams and it is called marriage divorce and remarriage in the bible and it has been a really helpful book to help me think through some really complicated marriage issues throughout my time as a minister of the gospel. One of the first counseling issues I dealt with was a marriage issue to which I had no idea how to respond. And reading through some of Dr. Adams, I mean, in a number of various has helped me, but that book in particular helped me get a good theological underpinning for some of the marriage really complicated marriage issues that can come up. So guys, I hate to do this to you, but I have I fell down the church stairs the other day very painfully, mm. and now I need to go get my back put back into order. So I am headed off to the rural chiropractor to get my rural back adjusted. You guys enjoy the rest of the episode. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Peace. Bye, TJ. See you, TJ. All right, so... Let me do my spiritual top two first, and it is a book by Isaac Adams, and he is the... Is he related to Jay Adams? He is not related to Jay Adams. <laughs> yeah, he would probably laugh if you were to yeah. say that. He would. Well, he wrote a book, so... He did write a book. <laughs> he is the uh, pastor... He does your job at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Oh. And uh, had a chance to, to meet him, see him in action when we went down for the I have weekend. not written a book. You have not. You will someday. I know that you will. I don't think I will. (laughs) So Isaac Adams' book is Training, How Do I Grow as a Christian? It's part of their Nine Marks for First Step series, and it is incredibly accessible to a very, very beginner Christian. It is really stuff, really basic stuff. Isaac puts uh, the cookies on the bottom shelf so people can can get that. So he covers uh, discipleship. He covers... uh, uh, reading the Bible, he covers prayer, he covers worship, he covers church and evangelism. Um, really, really good stuff. It's only about 
uh, only about 120 pages long. So this oh, is a great bad. resource to be able to hand to a new believer mm-hmm. to be able to use. So Very that cool. is my spiritual top two. And then, Josh, yes. we're going to kind of combo on this uh, normal non-spiritual top two. Okay. So we mentioned this a little bit earlier that you shot your a deer. A deer. A deer. Your third Probably deer. Probably my biggest deer. Your biggest deer earlier this morning. And who were you hunting with? I was with uh, TJ and uh-huh. then Ben, who's been a guest on the show. Okay. And then, so uh, two pastors. Two pastors. And then one of our congregants, uh, Joe Lewis, and he is an avid listener of Rural Pastors Talk. So. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So you were able to go hunting with a couple of your pastor buddies, but then also somebody that was a member of your church. Yeah. I have also this season been able to go out hunting with somebody who was... Uh, part of our church, but then also with him, there were some unchurched people who, unchurched guys who were with him too. So earlier in the season, I did the same thing. I was with a church member and then we had some guys... His family and then some guys who weren't who weren't Christians. So I'm not going to say that uh, in my experience I was able to to reach out and to share the gospel with those guys, and there wasn't earth shattering and wonderful, and anybody got saved when I went out hunting with those unchurched, yeah. unchristian guys. But it was an opportunity. It was a building of a relationship in that activity that they really enjoyed doing, mm-hmm. so that they could see, oh, you know, pastors are regular guys too, right? You know, and just putting ourselves in that situation, whether it is hunting, whether it is fishing, whether it is going and uh, putting in hay bales. Sometimes those manly pursuits are are really a great opportunity for us to be able to reach into uh, our rural communities. Yeah. I mean, you think of Paul talking about being all men to all people and hunting in the rural area, that's being all men to all people. Like, And also ladies that are out there. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. (laughs) I, I don't necessarily in how do I want to say this? <laughs> You're not a super great big enjoyable. You don't No, like hunting, I see the practical nature of hunting. Like it puts meat on the table. We I was speaking to one congregant the other day and she said she has not had to buy ground beef for eight years of marriage because her husband kills three or four deer. I was like, You you have me sold already. Like that just makes sense. It's like four bucks easily. a pound. It's phenomenal. Uh but I'm not overtly wanting to sitting I don't want to sit in the woods in a 20 degree day for eight hours. Um, so it's, it, it's an opportunity to, to love guys in their element in, in men and women. All right. So good stuff. So there was our top two for the day. TJ Thanks, is gone. Joe. You got it, man. We could literally do whatever we wanted to do now without TJ being here. What do you think we should do? Go home. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you have an elders meeting tonight. Right? Yes, I do have an yeah. elders meeting to go put together the agenda. Do it. All right. So tell them where they can contact us. Hey guys, uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can tweet at us at Rural Pastors, or you could send an email to our inbox. Uh, that is Rural Pastors Talk at gmail.com. It's Rural Pastors Talk with an S at gmail.com. Thank you, and we'll see you later. Raise your Ebenezer. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Rural Pastors Talk. Hey, by the way, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Rural Pastors Talk at gmail.com. <laughs>